Welcome to the Gridiron Icon Podcast, where we visit with legends of the game. Touchdown! Touchdown! Including players and coaches from the NFL, college football, and beyond. And now, fresh off the end of the bench, Stacy Bauman and NFL legend Preston Denard. Go! Let's go! 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 All right, welcome to the Gridiron Icon Podcast once again, where we feature outstanding, iconic guests from all sorts of places. And we've got a gentleman with us this evening that comes from some places, and we're going to talk about all those places. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't we welcome in my partner in crime, and that's Mr. Stacy Bauman. How are you there, my friend in Oregon? I am doing amazing, and I'm excited to not be in the minority from Oregon tonight. <laughs> that is true. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna share that with everybody. Um, we're so excited. Each week we we huddle with iconic guests, and you can see us on on Twitter and all the different social media uh, outlets, and especially YouTube when you want to see these wonderful faces. And this face that we have with us this evening is a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, we talked golf a little bit before this. That's how we met. We're going to continue to talk some golf, but he is a great actor. He is one that knows the business well, has been in it for a very long, long time. Um, you have probably seen him. If you can look at his backdrop, you can see some of the major features he's been in as an actor. Stage, so many different things we're going to learn from about Bruce Locke. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't we welcome in our wonderful guest this evening, Mr. Bruce Locke. Hey guys, Brett and Tracy, thanks for having oh. me. All right, oh. hold on, hold on. We got to give you your that. favorite too. There you go, there you go. Price My is friend, right, eat your heart out. Eat your heart out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get this thing started. Bruce, I am. I told Stacy about it and and Stacy says, oh, my gosh, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. We'd love that. We've just opened this thing up. And so I just want to let the audience know when I approached Bruce to invite him on the show and I told him the theme name and I told him some of the guests. And I think he'd already done his homework. You know, he's he's a pro at what he does. And he told me, he says, Preston. Your show is a football sports theme. I'm just an actor. I said, come on. We're out of the box here, baby. We may dress up one way, but we're out of the box. So anyway, you are going to be a great addition to this, and uh, we just look forward to doing it. Let's, let's get this thing started. So you are from Oregon. Let's back up. Tell us where you're from. Where you, and, and you go back. I heard you tell Stacy. You go back. You guys are planning on coffee and all this stuff. Kick this yeah. thing off. I, uh, I grew up in Portland. Uh, born and raised there. I'm five generations. Family came over probably around 1840. Um, oh, wow. So our whole family's been there for a very long time. Went to grade school, high school there. Um, played tennis there. Was Became nationally ranked. Went off oh. to play um, college tennis. Uh, gave uh, pro tennis a short try. Fell into acting right away. Uh, I was going to wow. go to graduate school. And I said, you know, I, I think being an actor is a lot more fun. And that's all I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff in that window that you just talked about. So we're going to back up a little bit and we'll get to that, that acting part. So what were you like as a young man? What were your interests when you first 
got going and feeling your oats and saying, I got to carve my own roots. What were you like as a young man? Sports was involved, maybe? Sports, definitely sports. Um, I think to survive in tennis, uh, I had to become pretty thick skin. It was a pretty white uh, sport yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I, I kind of grew up during that last bastion of racism in that kind of milieu. So I had a pretty big chip on my shoulder. Mm. And um, and that, that kind of made me succeed in tennis. And um, when I decided to become an actor, it translated into that, that thick skin. So that's sort of mm. what served me. And then uh, my brother told me, though, when I was 18, he said, hey, you, you better uh, become a nicer person. You're not going to live to 21. <laughs> wow. So I had this wow. long talk with him about, you know, the difference between being tough and being nice and, yeah. and straighten me out. That's wow. amazing. Now, I, I have to ask you, I got to know when you graduated so I could gauge our ages, but you, you were <laughs> Cleveland high school, right? Yeah. Cleveland. I, I graduated in. <laughs> uh, uh, we didn't catch that, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce, yeah. we didn't catch oh, that. Didn't, uh, sorry, uh, I meant to cut out there. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> I'm a class of 85 guy. Um, so I'll throw that out there. I'm a little and older I, than you. No, you're not. Are you really? Okay. I'm a lot older than both of you. <laughs> didn't think so. I didn't think so, but I'm guessing we're from the same generation. So the eighties and you know, that kind of whole world. I'm a, I'm a little older than you, Stacey. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm putting him on the spot. Let's move along. Okay. <laughs> I'm closer to Preston. <laughs> Oh, but no I, way. But I have oh him goodness. beat still. <laughs> you know what's sad about this for our YouTube watchers? Anybody watching the three of us right now is not going to come to the conclusion that I'm the youngest. <laughs> and I'm mad about that. Let's You're go. Okay. Stacey, you and I still have our hair. When I knew Preston, he was this dapper young man with this jet black hair and this oh, yeah. sport jacket and uh, loafers on. And he walked in. he walked into the celebrity room and I said, Who's that good-looking guy, man? Yeah. Everybody else, you know, we look like schlubs just getting off the plane. And here comes right, this guy right. dressed in the nines. That's <laughs> Preston Denard. I Listen, oh. true story. Last night, won't go into too much detail, but I was showing my wife. Uh, Preston doesn't even know this is coming. I was showing my wife a picture of Preston when I seriously idolized the, my partner and had a picture of him on my wall. And I showed her the picture. And she was like, oh. He's a nice looking guy. Isn't he? I was like, going. hey, wait a minute here. What's going on? <laughs> I feel you, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> no way. No, no way in the world. Well, a lot of I'm, charisma, Preston. A lot of yeah, charisma. Yeah. Beyond your football skills. I, I you know what? I tried acting. It didn't work. So I, charisma. <laughs> a lot of actually a lot. I've talked to a lot of football players that wanted to be actors. And I said, oh, yeah. man, get into acting class. And well, see if see most of them are actors it. anyway. Until they they get there. (laughs) No, we won't go there. I'm very curious in understanding that love of tennis. How did you get started? Did someone place that in your hand? You know, I was a golfer. I was a golfer. Uh, We lived across the street from Eastmoreland Golf Course. Mm -hmm. And my mom dropped us off at Benson uh, High School, you know, the the tennis course, uh, to take tennis lessons just to get rid of us for a couple hours. So it was more like... Let's get rid of the three kids, and I'll have a couple hours to myself. Mm-hmm. And when you know it, I could hang with the big kids. And pretty soon, wow. we would start playing, and I was starting to beat kids that were older than me. Mm-hmm. And the tennis teacher came up to my mother one day after 
class and she said, Hey, you know, your kid might want to consider uh, taking this more seriously. And she goes, why? She goes, well, he's beating all the older kids. So the um, lady that was teaching us gave me some private lessons and put me in a tournament and I did really well. And that was sort of the beginning of it. I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into, but then I was, I got to be about 12 or 13 and I discovered girls and that was when they wore skirts and they had the, the frilly, you know, stuff. And I said, Hey, tennis is the place to be. (laughs) So that was the beginning of everything. Oh my God. And so was it an instant love or did you grow into it? I grew into it. Um, It became a job right away. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was late in the game getting started. So it became a job. I was up at 5.30 to practice before school. Um, Mm -hmm. After school, I'd practice again. Um, And I just kept winning. And and I realized it was a job. I didn't didn't love it. I just knew I was good at it. I didn't love it till after I stopped playing. And that's kind of sad. Um, But I love it now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. That's fascinating. What about you, Preston? Did you always love football? You know, I think... I did, except for my first year playing it in the eighth grade. I told Stacy how I got there, and it was a safe haven. So I always loved sports because, Bruce, what you probably don't know is my scenario and why sports made a difference in my life. And I had a speech impediment, and athletics just calmed me. So I grew into loving it, wanting it. I never thought it was work. Um, everything I put my hands on, I was good at. Um, and it just happened to end up being two or three sports that I love best. And baseball was number one in, in my life. But I love tennis. All my boys have I've thrown a racket in their hands uh, and a golf club. My Stacy and I interviewed my oldest boy and told the story about <clears throat> the seven iron I gave him at a driving range. He hits it 225 yards. I look at him. He looks at me. No he way. says, he says, and he's six, four and a half. He says, what? I said, dude, do that again. And he does it again. It's about 200 yards. I said, you don't know what you are doing, but he doesn't play golf today. Ah, Go figure. Go figure. figure. Yeah. So you're, you're in high school. You're playing. You're winning. Tell us about some of the accolades that tennis brought you. You know, my freshman year, uh, I made the varsity team. And our number one player at Cleveland was the state champion. So there's no way I'm going to knock him out of the spot. Wow. But I was the only freshman on the team. We're city champions. Um, and he left, he went on to the Naval Academy and I became the number one player and I uh, became ranked in the Northwest. And, um, I mean, there were a lot of us that were ranked and they all went on to, you know, division one schools and some turned pro, uh, mm-hmm. you know, played Wimbledon and all that. I didn't, I went to division three, which is the, one of the smaller college systems. So I wasn't that good, but I kept getting better and um, became nationally ranked in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I gave it a short stint after college before I fell into acting. What college um, was that? I went to Pitzer College, one of the Claremont Pitzer. colleges. Okay. okay. But one of the reasons why it was so difficult was I had a serve and volley game and it was just hit the crap out of it, come into the net. <laughs> and, and I did, I played... I played guys at a very high level. I played guys that were on the Davis Cup team from 
Canada, Australia, Hong Kong. Um, and I, I, I pushed them, but for my kind of game, it was so tough mentally to win or get through one match. If I had a good match in a big tournament, I was spent mentally. So mm -hmm. it was hard for me to go deep into a tournament because I didn't have the type of all court game where I could just hit any shot. I had to come in and it was do or die hundred percent wow. uh, to win a point. And, and it made me mentally very tired week after week. But it also made you a tough competitor where when you chose to pursue acting, and we're going to get into that, it yeah. just made you a better. And, and I think that's what a lot of these experiences that we all go through kind of encourages us to. You're right. It's focus. Do better. Yeah. I learned more about focus. Um, I was just in a situation this Christmas where they asked me if I would host a beauty pageant. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a uh an s show it was it was everybody was sick there was no rehearsal the script was a mess wow. and it was it was just coming down the wire and i said you know what let's just do it and wow. and everyone was panicking we had technical problems the, wow. the girls weren't ready for this or that and, and i just huddled and i told the girls before we went on i said look young ladies this is not what you do for a living you will never do this again in your life. Have fun. Enjoy it. Focus on this moment of being in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. If anything goes wrong, I'm going to be right there and I will figure it out for you. Even if you start your performance and you screw up, mm -hmm. which inevitably all this that I called happened and it was on me to, you know, fix things. Mm -hmm. And it came down to, look, man, you've been in front of people. Just focus. And you get that from sports where something goes wrong and you just figure it out. Mm. I, I feel like that takes a special person. I watch these hosts and of course I don't want to get into what Chris Rock just went through a year ago, um, yeah. but it still takes a wild personality to think on your toes in front of a zillion people watching on. Well, Stacy, let me tell you something interesting is that when I first got some kind of notoriety as an actor, then I started to get, asked to uh, speak publicly and host things. And what people don't realize is those are two very different skill sets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, being an actor is you can be inside yourself and be focused. That's not how it works when you're on stage. Mm -hmm. So, but the secret that I found out is that don't edit whatever comes to your mind, even if you screw up and I screw up a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think people find it entertaining that, I'll, I'll totally commit and screw up and, and I'll own it. So mm -hmm. I won't edit. The only thing I'll edit is before whatever show we're doing on stage, I'll say, how blue can I work? Now, for you younger people, blue means how dirty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, guys are guys. And my mind goes everywhere. And um, you just have to know how blue you can work. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing a beauty pageant. So I know, look, you got to be respectful. That's the only mm -hmm. thing edit that I had. And mm. and it worked. Okay. Yeah. Because wow. you're dealing with women and just the sense yeah. Yeah, and the community. It. It's a community yeah. event. And they asked me to speak about the community and the history of it. And okay. so, you know, you gotta be respectful. But within that respect comes my point of view, which is a, a little different than people who do normal things. Now you went over you went over briefly, real briefly, about where you went to college. 
but people don't understand the Claremont colleges. Explain a little bit about that dynamic. So you're about oh. to separate yourself from everybody else who's average. No, 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 no. <laughs> the Claremont, first of all, the Claremont colleges are a group of five colleges in Southern mm-hmm. California outside of LA. Yep. And Pomona probably is the flagship college is kind of like the Harvard of the West. And then there's Harvey Mudd, which is Mm -hmm. compared to MIT. It's an engineering school. Pitzer College, where I went, was one of the top social science schools in the country. And there's Claremont McKenna, which is a huge business school. A lot of captains of industry go there. And there's Scripps College, which is one of the top women's colleges in, in the world. We all are contiguous to each other. You can take classes at any one of the five colleges and they are all top notch. Um, our acceptance rate for Pitzer College is uh, 12 out of 100 get in. But that's now. So I gave a keynote uh, address for the graduating class not too long ago. And I said, I'm so proud to have graduated from this college, which I would have never gotten into if I applied today. Because wow. it was a little easier when I was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. But hey, the kids today, I, I, you know, I was talking with the seniors about what's your plans? What, you, what are you going to do with your life? These kids aren't, were getting their PhDs, going to medical school. There's no gap here. I was like, I'm going, I'm going to medical school. I was like, really? And what about <laughs> I'm getting my MBA? You know, I'm doing a full body scholarship, blah, blah, blah. I was like, holy moly. <laughs> These kids are on their way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the Claremont Colleges. Yes, it is. It is top notch. I've been. I've seen that particular campus, and it's just beautiful. It was beautiful. I, uh, I'm really thankful that I had that experience. Okay, so yes. we get off to college. At some point, martial arts as well as no. acting. No, no, maybe. No, no. How, how does I all was that? Never, I was never, Kristen. I was never a martial artist. Now, if you look at so two all of the these, stuff you play, yeah, I'm looking yeah, at the two of these three. Uh, shows that are behind me, Mortal Kombat. I played Shang Tsung, the Sorcerer, and um, mm-hmm. Robo- RoboCop 3. I was Ultimo, the, the ninja Ultimo. assassin. Um, I'm not a martial artist. I I was wow. taught... Uh, you would never know that watching the shows. <laughs> what happened was when, when I got RoboCop 3, they hired a pretty acclaimed martial artist to train me. And really? we worked three and a half months before we even started shooting. So I was working five days a week with him and he taught me how to fight on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that carried me for my whole career. And I've become friends with a lot of the stuntmen and martial artists in the industry. And they, they basically walk me through a fight wow. and I know enough about sports to stay in shape and stretch. And I know a few of the basics and I know a lot about acting so I can construct a fight like I would a scene. Wow. And that's, that's what, where these things came from. And w- real interestingly, the, the guy that taught me for RoboCop 3, he said, hey, Bruce, this is after six months. He goes, you're pretty damn good. I had you do some demonstrations with, uh, you know, four of my black belts, and I threw a sword at you, and you did that. And he, he goes, but if you ever get in a real fight, <laughs> if you can't run, you hit them, then run. <laughs> goes, don't, do any, don't do any of this stuff I taught you. <laughs> Somewhere is some young kid who grew up loving you, and they're 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 crying right now. Wait a minute! Like, <laughs> no, Stacy, I'm real open about the level of my martial arts skill. It's all for interesting. For, 
entertaining. Yeah, but it's all, it's all it's all for the acting. It's all for yeah. developing you as a character and and all the different shows. So take us on that journey. Wow. I know Stacy's got a couple of questions he wants to ask you, but take us on how you got into acting. What got you going through it in the very beginning, and where you are today? Oh my gosh, it was uh, through sports, through tennis. Okay. Um, I I had decided to turn professional. I started taking money in tournaments. Came down through California, and I lost in the first round of a tournament. Mm. And I'm pissed off. So I'm throwing <laughs> stuff in my bag. I'm getting ready to walk off the court. This little Vietnamese girl comes up, starts taking my picture. And I kind of flared at her, and I said, hey, get, the, get away from me. Dude. She looks at me, and she goes, I'm going to put you in a magazine. I said, that's the guy that won. Go take his picture. <laughs> because I've never seen a six-foot-two Asian guy who's athletic. I'm going to put you in a magazine. Yeah, he's tall. Get away from me. Oh. And she said, listen, you're out of this tournament. You've got nothing to do. Let me take you to lunch. She goes, I'm buying. So I said, you got it. So we went to lunch. I cooled off. And she said, I really am a fashion photographer. And I want to introduce you to an agent. I said, That's okay, how it starts. Let's yeah. go. Wow. So, so I'm all sweaty. We go in, I meet this agent and I'm sitting in his office and he says, uh, it's a modeling agent, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, you think this is a scam? I go, cross my mind. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, don't you think somebody has to represent these people that are on uh, magazine covers? And there's all these big posters of L and Cosmopolitan and GQ on the walls. I go, yeah, it crossed my mind. He goes, somebody has to represent these people, Bruce. This beautiful girl walks by and he calls, he calls her in. I don't know, you know, Sarah, whatever. Sarah, come in here. So she goes, comes and goes, yeah, what's up? And she, he goes, uh, let me see your book. She goes, okay. Book is her portfolio or modeling right. portfolio. So he right. opens it up. He opens it up to the page of the cover of a magazine that was on the wall behind me. And he goes, do you see this girl, this cover? And that poster behind me, and that's the girl. I handle her, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah, you do. So he closes the book, hands it back to her. He said, I'm for real. I said, son of a bitch. (laughs) It's for real. This is crazy. So he said, let me handle you. And so I said, what does that mean? He said, it won't cost you a dime. And it didn't. And I started started working. uh, I did a department store catalog literally within a week. Had no idea what I was doing. I was scared to death. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, he calls me and he says, hey, there's an Asian magazine that wants to do an article on Asian American models. Wow. And there aren't very many. So you're going to go do this article. I said, hey, man, I've done like two jobs. What the hell do I know about modeling? He says, <laughs> just go. So I go do this interview. And there are all these beautiful Asian girls. And, and I'm like, wow, this is yeah, this is great. So they get done doing this, uh, this photo shoot <laughs> and I'm watching these girls and this guy goes, Hey, you want to stay? And I went, yeah. He goes, well, make it <laughs> yeah. useful. Hold this light board. So I'm standing there holding this light board with this old guy. He goes, so you're a model, huh? I go, uh, yeah. I go, what do you do? He goes, I own the magazine. I go, Oh, that's, that's great. Thanks for this. He goes, uh, so obviously you're an actor too, because all models are actors. Me thinking on my feet, I'm like, well, yes, I am. He goes, Who's your agent? And I said, well, uh, I'm working on it. And he goes, I'll tell you what, 
I'm going to set you up with an agent, a meeting next week. That led to my first agent. And that's how it all got started. You know, it doesn't happen like that always. (laughs) Well, it wasn't always smooth sailing. I mean, even getting him to sign me was not easy. He asked me to do a monologue, come back when I was ready. And I went out, left his office, got on a phone, called my best friend. I said, hey, man, I met this Hollywood agent. He goes, you got to be kidding me. I said, yeah, he wants me to do a monologue. Wow. What's a monologue? (laughs) My friend starts laughing. He goes, you got to be kidding me. So he goes, come over. He had three plays in his uh, library, and none of them were right for me. So I did the closing argument uh, from the mutiny on the bounty. No, the Kane mutiny of one of the uh, prosecuting attorneys. Mm -hmm. Completely inappropriate for a, you know, 23 year old skinny Chinese kid to do a (laughs) Navy world war two court scene. So I did it. And the agent said, wow, you're pretty green. He goes, but you got moxie. If you promise me you study, you'll study, I'll handle you. And that was the beginning of it. Wow. This is incredible. Explain, explain to our our listeners and us that don't really know the business. Well, what is that like? It's not like X's and O's running 63 X corner or a basketball swing play or baseball steal sign. Okay, that's that how I approached it, though. That's how you approach it. Well, that's good right, to know. Because I'm a tennis player and I've been coached a lot. There you so, go. There hey, you go. You know, I figured I figured um, you be bold, mm-hmm. do what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. follow, follow instructions. It's pretty far from that. Okay, wow. so shortly after that, the agent sends me out on an audition for General Hospital for like a three-year con, two, three-year contract. And I'm completely not ready for this. I have, I have no experience. So I keep reading and they keep calling me back. And the casting director says, you don't know what the hell you're doing, but I believe in you. So I get to the final round. It's between me and another guy. And the executive producer says, this kid's not ready. And the casting director says, he'll be ready within three weeks of him being on camera. And she said, no. So I didn't get it. So I went, went home and I wasn't dejected because I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And he calls me and he said, hey, you almost got it. But listen, I'm going to give you a recurring, very small role. You're going to come in three times a week and do nothing like be an extra or deliver one or two lines. And you're going to see what it's like. And the rest of the time, I want you here on the set. So you're going to be here five days a week. And you're going to watch these guys and see what they do. Okay. So... I went and I watched and I, some of it, I said, yeah, I can do that. You memorize it. You go stand on the X and you say your line, you know, you scream when you're mad and you, you know, then I saw this really studly good looking guy break down in tears when somebody died. And I, and that shook me. I was like, Holy crap. I don't know how if do I can you, do, that. do that. Yeah. I want to know how to do that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. That, that was, that was a little too real for me. Everything else I could see the acting, this guy was good. So then I thought, okay, I need to study and take it really seriously. And that's when it hit home to me that this is an art, it's a craft, and it's about that's where the the that's where the nexus between sports and acting stops. Is it mm-hmm. it's an art form mm-hmm. and it comes from your heart. It's painting a picture. It's 
singing a song, you know, mm-hmm. it's composing lyrics. And um, when I started to tap into that, I realized, oh, crap, I got bit by the acting bug. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when it really started. And I said, I'm going to take this seriously because I would like to do I would like to do some great stuff. Wow. That's amazing. How old you're 23 years old when this is happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible, man. Something that there's something dynamic happening here though. Cause so many people saw something in you mm-hmm. that they believe. But Stacey, in you you got to remember that as many people that said, I think you can, they were 10 times. Oh, yeah. said, you have no shot. Oh, man. Yeah. No shot at all. And mm-hmm. when I came up, there was no crazy rich Asians. Bruce Lee was the only guy. Yeah. So it was tough going. Yeah. This is like prior to Jackie Chan kind of hitting it. Yeah. Big well, and, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Lee was, oh God, we all idolized mm. him though. In the late seventies, <laughs> early eighties. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We all had his poster. Yeah. Still, Incredible. Still so interesting. So did you, from that point in your career, you're, you're getting by on sheer guts and, and some tip raw talent. Did you then start taking acting classes yep. and okay. All of that. Studied like crazy. And I came up with a lot of people that did really, really friggin' well that are household names today. And we're all sitting there in the little black box theater, pounding it out, figuring out how to deliver a line. What, what, how do you be mean? You know, the, our acting teacher, Sal Dano came from New York, Broadway, tough Italian guy. He said, Hey, every one of you guys, is a product. You're a car. What kind of car are you? Mm. Now I want you to learn how to do everything. But if you're a Ferrari and, and you're a truck, you got to know that walking in. And he said, and I don't, I don't teach extras and bit actors. So if all you want to do is be on the set, get out of here. I want people that bring something. Wow. So what kind of car were you? <clears throat> um, <laughs> don't, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Hey, I, I play bad people, man. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm thinking like a black Porsche 911, like yeah. something that's that's kind of sinister but it racy. Goes through red lights. It, it goes, goes through red, red lights. lights. <laughs> but you know, Stacy, to be to be honest, though, awesome. you know, I was a, I was a pretty skinny Asian kid that looked really preppy, and there wasn't any work. It, the work was: Are you the lab tech? Are you the grocery store owner that gets robbed? Yeah. Um, there's nothing, but they were bad guys. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to be a bad guy to get work. And then that sort of became the mainstay of what I do. So, you know, I don't, I walk into a room, I don't look like a bad guy. I look like, like I'm, I'm the Asian version of Preston. You know, I walk in and I'm wearing khakis and penny loafers and button down polo shirt. And they're like, are you somebody's agent? <laughs> uh, who do you represent? I said, no, man. That's what happened to me on Mortal Kombat. I walked in to the set and they thought I was Bruce Locke's manager. I said, no, I'm Shang Tsung. I'm Bruce. <laughs> he said, you're Shang Tsung. And Shang Tsung, for those of you that don't know, he's, he's a very evil sorcerer that wants to take over the world. He has a goatee, yeah. long flowing yeah. hair, yep. and he's ripped. Now, when mm-hmm. I showed up, I was wearing khaki shorts and a tennis shirt and tennis shoes. And he said, have a seat and we'll be right with you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is so you, uh, look, I've got photographs, photographs that are going to mysteriously pop up when this show debuts. <laughs> you yeah. look, 
you look like a bad man in also in the RoboCop, RoboCop version yeah. where you're doing the whole prosthetic face like you're a you're a bad nasty guy in those movies. Yeah, and but all that came from acting class. How do you wow. tap into that as a man just as a a breathing well, soul? Well, tapping into that badass anger is a lot easier than tapping into the the um your dog died, you know, or yeah. you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that kind of macho stuff is is pretty easy, uh, especially if you've played sports. Because there's a moment on the gridiron, I'm sure, mm-hmm. where it ain't about X's and O's. It's right. about looking in that guy's eye and saying, "I'm going to dominate you." There you go. No matter there what, mm-hmm. it's fourth quarter. It's freaking a hundred degrees out. We've been out here the whole time. There ain't no subs for me, and there ain't no subs for you. And I'm going to beat you. That's and my that's, boy. That's what you bring to acting sometimes. Because if you yeah. think about it, I play I play the bad guy. And there's a lot of Asian guys that look a lot meaner with a lot bigger muscles. And I know they're sitting on the set with me and they're my henchmen. They're wondering why why is why is Bruce why is Bruce, why is Bruce? The guy? <laughs> until they say action. So when yeah. I deliver the line, I'm gonna kill you, it's pretty damn real. Yeah. Look, a seconds ago when you just got intense about talking about there's no subs, your eyes changed. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All, all oh, right. Yeah. I believe him. Yeah. Oh, very so interesting. So that's realism. When you're doing, uh, when you're on film and that camera is right in front of your face, that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of these actors and they play very imposing people. They actually have that inside their personality. You don't want to push some of these people. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, there's some of them that are fake. To the, that you, know, mm-hmm. you can swat away pretty easily, but a lot of them, yeah, I wouldn't mess with a lot of these guys. Yeah. I mean, I, you mentioned at the outset of this little uh, visit that uh, your brother, when you were younger and you were taking on tennis, you're like, yeah, you're going to have to be a nicer guy at some point. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing you tapped into the uh, younger version of yourself more than once. Yeah. I and mean, so- yeah, you have to. You have to hang on to certain things. You yeah, just have yeah. to be mature and know where they belong. Mm-hmm. How how commonplace cool. is it in that industry where you find out what you were cast for was really not the right opportunity or the right character for you? Have you has that ever happened? Maybe early on, but I don't. I'm not so sure. Does that happen no. a lot or? No, I, you know, what's interesting is that Hollywood is very rigid. I wish I had more opportunities to play things that people don't see me as. Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I think when I do extemporaneous speaking, there's a lot of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm talking about like hosting and things like that. There's a lot of humor and I'm very silly. I never do comedies. I think I've done three comedies in my career. So as far as um, early on, I did some, some romantic roles. Um, a casting director, even though they're supposed to have open eyes, if they don't know me, they don't see me as the bad guy. If they've mm-hmm. cast me as the bad guy, that's all they see me as. So it's really tough. Um, if you do one thing, that you've been good at, mm-hmm. they will see you as that. Yeah. But I'm the kind of guy that I'll walk into a room where they don't recognize me as 
the bad guy that played that role. Um, I am never recognized for the man in the high castle. And I was on season four as yeah. the general who was in charge of the occupation of the, of half the United States. And people never recognize me until yeah, we start wow. talking. And then it hits them that I'm this very mean person. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's a fascinating take on human nature, even for an actor. Like, we just, we meet somebody and we put them somewhere in our head mm. and yeah. it's hard to get them out of that spot. Yeah. That's why you got to really be present when you meet someone to see who are they really. Yeah. And that's what most people don't do, but I'm all right with that. I mean, I, I work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm eating. Yeah. I, I got to ask you in that world. I mean, there's so many things. You're such a unique guest for us that I, I got a million questions, but what do you Hollywood for the most part, it can have a rough reputation, at least recently. Yeah. What are some things that you absolutely love about that? And what are some things that you could really do without? <laughs> wow. Good question. Um, yeah. Because I got started in Hollywood at such a young age, I did have a good time. Cool. Um, mm -hmm. Everything you could ever imagine. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> He's being I, I went, very I went politically correct here. <laughs> I went to parties in Hollywood and, mm -hmm. and the host would say, Hey, Mary Wilson, um, is going to sing a song for us. Okay. She comes down the, you know, stairs and sing a song. Um, you know, you're at another party and Prince gets on stage and says, Hey, I want to try out a new song. Um, great, you know, great stuff. Unbelievable. But as far as the meanness, mm -hmm. it's all true. Yeah. Uh, racism, stereotypes, backstabbing, wow, cheating, studios trying to cheat you. It's all true. So what you got to do to survive is you've got to have your core group of people that you trust and you hang out with. And the other stuff is just noise. I, wow. I imagine anything in sports. You've got your detractors. Mm -hmm. you got coaches that I would have never drafted that guy. I don't believe in him. I'm not going to give him time. Hey, man, you just got to do your job and prove him wrong. Mm -hmm. Even on the set. You know, um, I was doing NCIS with Mark Harmon. And usually what happens before you do a show is you'll do a table read of the script. And I'm playing the, the bad guy. And so I'm sitting there looking at everybody around the room going, oh, golly, you know, I, I know all these people. And we're reading the script. And to me... A script reading, it's not a full performance. And for me to do what I do, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to give you 100% if we're just doing a table reading. So the director comes up to me afterwards and he starts giving me notes. And he's worried. He's concerned. You know, we're going to start filming in three days. And this guy seems a little marshmallow. You know, and I looked at him and the other guy came out. And mm -hmm. I won't tell you what I said, but I said, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, don't worry, brother. We'll work it out on the day. So when we got to the set, the very first take, I did something Mark didn't expect, and I sort of shook him. And the director came up to me, and he says, I see exactly what you do. My apologies. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to do that in a reading. <laughs> he said, I don't know if you guys know who Henry Silva was. He He's an Italian guy that played a lot of heavies in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you, you work like Henry. I go, yeah. 
I, you know, I don't, I'm not a screamer. I don't need to scream. Um, but you can know where I'm coming from. He goes, I, I completely understand. And my apologies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to know how to navigate. That's my point. And I'm not going to get involved in political discussions or if somebody comes at me, yeah. I'm old enough now, I'm not going to go back at them. I'm just going to do my job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood is tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a million questions in that regard. And I, I can't imagine you. You don't have an incredible library of experiences and scars that you can and can't share, but that- you know, Stacey, when when we have coffee in Portland, I'll I'll, I'll done yeah. <laughs> off, off the record. Done. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring the coffee. You bring the coffee. <laughs> yeah, I I loved. I'm so fascinated with by what drives people and what motivates them more than the finished product. So I can't imagine. I mean, we have a commonality. I mean, did you grow up in Portland too? I did. I'm from the Bay Area originally in Marin County, but I've been up here forever. I was in the eighties, uh, went so to high school. Imagine, okay. Yeah. You know, where'd you go to high school? Tigard High School, ladies Tigard and gentlemen. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, what year did you graduate in? 84? 1985. 85. For you youngsters out there. Did I you, had a Preston Denard poster on my wall. And, did you know uh, Joe Kim? He went to uh, your high school. Joe say that Kim, again. He was a senior when you were a freshman. Joe Kim, he played football. I sure do. No way. I know that name, and I'm and my brain is working through Big the face. Korean guy. Big gregarious yes. Korean guy. Yeah. And he was, well, again, you're you're a kid, but I remember he was thick. Yeah. Like okay, he, he's younger than me. But we, he, we played golf wow. on... Uh, he lives in New York now, but he played golf uh, with me at Pumpkin Ridge on Sunday. Oh, my God. <laughs> Small world. I'm going to call him as soon as we get off of this. Oh, he'll, he'll probably never remember me. I was a punk underclassman, but I remember him. <laughs> you know, where uh, I was going with this was, okay, Stacy, we have a commonality of growing up Portland, Beaverton, the Northwest. Yeah. Can you imagine your life as a young man getting thrown into Hollywood? Oh, everything coming your way, whether it's you're you're not going to work, you're not going to pay your rent to now we're going to pay you gobs of money and you're hanging out with beautiful women and everybody's telling you you're great. And then the very next moment, you still have that money in the bank, but you have no job and all of Hollywood going on the the back lots of Universal and you see stars and you're talking to them and they're talking to you like you're one of them. And you're like, man, I'm just this kid from Portland. <laughs> I can't imagine it. And it, to be honest with you, I could spend hours exploring that. Like, mm. how does a young 23-year-old guy or a young guy from Portland, east side of the river, it, grow into this? And I think that journey is so worth unpacking. Even as we get older, we try to unpack it and understand it. But Bruce. Yeah, it's, it's really surrealistic. And it is. I, I sent Preston uh, a copy of this book. I hope he forwarded to you. Oh, uh, no, he doesn't have it yet. Okay. I love it. So I, because I'm a golfer, I got involved with the celebrity golf circuit, as Preston did. And I ended up writing a book in 2011 called Who the Hell Are You? A Minor Celebrity on the Celebrity Golf Circuit and the Shenanigans That Go On. The first chapter is devoted to Portland mm-hmm. Trailblazer Maurice Lucas. Maurice oh, Lucas, yeah, became a great friend of mine, and he got me oh. in my first celebrity golf tournament. That chapter um, talks about having one foot in the Portland 
you know, side of, of being a civilian and being a celebrity, read that chapter. You, oh, it'll I'm on it. Stacy committed. And we're going to talk about it over coffee. Uh, thank you. I didn't know about the book. I, I didn't know if we'd have time to chat about it, but Maurice Lucas is a legend here. I only oh, recognize yeah. him as a Laker because I was a Laker fanatic, but I lived in blazer country when they won the championship. And I mean, we got yeah. a lot of, we got a lot of ties up here, Bruce. Yeah. And when he played for the Lakers, he would um, get me tickets to the game and we oh. would go to the oh. forum and they had a private club called the forum club. Mm -hmm. I would always yeah. meet him there after, after the game and have, we'd have drinks and I'd always talk to the ladies and, you know, and see the stars and Jerry Buss and the Lakers would come in and out. And I mean, it was a great time. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. One time I'm talking to this very beautiful lady and, and then this big hand, I feel oh. like Maurice goes, hey, uh, that's Byron Scott's woman. Yeah, about that. I can only imagine. You got to write more books, Bruce. <laughs> but he, he, Bruce treated me very well. He was, uh, he was a special guy. Yeah. You know, Rest in peace. He was an animal. Yeah, he was. You, but you know what? Um, my only connection with Portland area, the Northwest, is is I did play in Maurice's tournament one year. It was a gorgeous tournament. Um, gosh, Charles Barkley. And what's the young lady from uh, maybe England? Um, she was a hip-hop music uh, MC commentator. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, uh, downtown MTV. Julie Brown. Who was that? Was it downtown Julie Brown? Yeah, downtown oh, Julie Brown. Yeah, she so was there. <laughs> I, won't, I won't even go where I want to go with this, but just let me tell you, a lot of what Bruce is saying, I've experienced too and see. Oh, I'm crazy. telling you. Bart, Bart, club? Bruce, oh, my God. You asked about, hey, okay, when I first started playing at these uh, celebrity golf tournaments back in the 90s, it was the Wild West of fun. Uh, this is before any economic collapse, and they're throwing swag at us. They're flying yeah, yeah. And, and and whining and dining you. We're we're going to concerts, you know, hanging out with uh, the Temptations, and, oh. and they're giving you like fifteen hundred dollars from gambling money, and you know, yeah. it's it's yeah. crazy stuff. Oh yeah, that is and incredible. I'm thinking, I'm just this kid from Portland hanging out with all these guys with championship rings, and and you know, I remember one time I was with. Um, Dr. J, mm -hmm. goes, who the hell are you? I go, I am the I'm kid that was in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe. Julia Serving, who are you? Are you are you bringing my car around? Who are you? <laughs> we're at Stedman Graham's event, um, Athletes Against Drugs in Chicago. Mm -hmm. We're in the VIP area where we're going to sign autographs for the people that paid a lot of money. And Mortal Kombat had just come out. Oh. And I'm signing. I've got a huge line. And Yao Ming had just been drafted, right? So some of these people were thinking, well, this guy's 16. Are you Yao Ming? I said, no, I'm not Yao Ming. I'm <laughs> Chang Sung. So I got this line. I'm signing. <laughs> Julia is to my back. And he's got a line. He's signing. He looks at me. And he goes, who are you? And I said, 
I'm the guy with the line longer than you, Doctor J. <laughs> oh, I love it. I he love just it. turned away. He just turned away. And you know what? He's he's never said much to me other than "Who are you?" And uh-huh. I met him like six or seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I, I okay, Preston. I got to get that book. I actually was going to ask about the book, so I'm on that before we, we got meet. it in our file. So you uh, got the number four on Amazon's bestseller list for sports humor. Oh so, my god! Casey, you're a sports guy. You're going to recognize Huge. everybody in there, from Aaron Rodgers to oh, you know, to Pierre Larouche. Oh wow! That god, what so a great cool. and interesting. You're a Renaissance man. This is amazing. Renaissance. So interesting. Well, I, gosh. I have about six million more questions, but as is always the case, we run out of time on this show. But Bruce, we're going to definitely connect. I'd love for the three of us to connect and have coffee in Portland. Oh, that would yeah. be the funnest day ever. Yeah, come to Portland, Preston. Yeah, I will. You know what? You guys got to let me know. I will book it and be there. But give me at least three weeks. Oh yeah, we yeah. can. We can give you some lead time. Okay, we'll and a plane ticket. I'm good. Fifteen hundred bucks. Spending cash. <laughs> Whatever you want. I'm not doing anymore, man. <laughs> I cannot get downtown Julie Brown to come back. Okay. Oh, it's that's the, okay. the okay. ship has sailed. I'm open. <laughs> Let me just say she it. was a peculiar, interesting young lady. I look as an we'll 80s guy. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we are going to leave it at that. Okay. The hour is growing on us. We okay. have reached the point of what we call our two minute drill. Not necessarily significant in your case, but that's what it is. My partner, is going to lead that two-minute drill as he so desires to do so. So what we do is rapid fire, your best, fastest, quickest answer to the heart. It's either or, and Stacy, take it away. Okay, it's my shot with Bruce Locke. Please do not beat me up or samurai sword me to death. <laughs> or, uh, you know, I was very nervous about that. But two minutes with the great Bruce Locke. Okay, this one's going to be tough. And I mess these names up. I'm just not good. But in from both movies, Atomo or Shang Tsung? Oh, man. Both were really... Uh, making him choose. <laughs> I'm making him choose his we character. Otomo, Otomo, because I was young, and it was the first time I had ever had a great role. Oh. And the guy that taught me martial arts, he could make friends with the wall. We were in Atlanta for six months shooting. He got us invited to... Madonna's opening at a oh. nightclub. We were drank with ZZ Top. Um, <laughs> we went into a bar and he told the owner I was the Prince of Thailand. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing, an amazing uh, time in Atlanta. Oh Somebody God. put this guy in bubble wrap. This is hilarious. <laughs> I, this is awesome. Okay. All right. He made, for all you movie fans, he made a choice there. We forced it on him. Okay. Uh, the Portland centric question coffee or tea? Coffee. Yeah. Oh, Coffee, my, my guy. Although I, I, you know, I, think I, you do I teach some acting once in a while, and they say, what's the secret of acting? I say, it's coffee. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> coffee. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> Your lines are going to come to you if you drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's magic, folks. It's magic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is it. I didn't get to talk to you about your theater acting, but you were in Snowfalls on Cedars, which is incidentally one of my favorite movies. Uh, I know you. it was Ethan Hawke and all that, but I love that whole story. Love it. Yeah. Um, Portland Center Stage. Yeah. That was in Portland, right? At the Yeah, Arbor it was a great time. The, I, yeah. I never work in Portland, and, and we, I did a Snowfalling on Cedars, uh, Cedars oh, in uh, Portland story. Center Stage. It was one of the highlights of my career. 
Wow. One of my favorite stories, cried on an airplane on a business trip oh. watching that. Mm. I'm not even going to lie about it. The ending was like, I'm di- I'm dying here. I got something in my eye. Yeah, so <laughs> um, incredible movie. Um, the movies or television? It used to be movies because movies you'd shoot a page and a half a day and it's meticulous and you can experiment. Mm. But And television, you'd shoot eight pages a day. So it's like a donut factory. But the wow. two are becoming so close now. Um, hey, man, work is work, and you're blessed mm-hmm. if you're working. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. They're very interesting. Okay. Your personal Bruce Locke's favorite movie Robocop 3. It, mm-hmm. It's got me started. I First time what, I had my name on a chair, you know. You're a bad button that. So there's going to be some pictures <laughs> surfacing surrounding this episode. You're. You're like a, a badass in that. You need look great, dude. I don't know. Were you working at well? Again, we have I was 600 questions. It was 165 when I got the job, and I put on 15 pounds of muscle. And I, I was I was so strong. When I was in Atlanta, they hired a world champion kickboxer to train me. And he said, I'm not going to train with you. I train people. And I said, if you can do what I do, you don't have to train with me. And he trained with me for six months. Wow. And I said, well, I'm not getting bigger. What's the deal? He said, let's go to Lee Haney's gym. Lee Haney Ooh, was a yeah. you know, world champion bodybuilder. We went to yep. his gym and all these guys were ripped and they're all African-American. And we go in there. And the first thing he does is, you call me an N-word? No. And no. everybody stopped and looked at me. And he starts laughing because I'm just messing with you, brother. He goes, everybody, this oh. is Bruce Locke. I'm training him for Robocop. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm That's sweating so bullets. I'm sweating bullets because he's, oh, yeah, he's black. <laughs> so this big guy came up and he goes, okay, what's your problem, little brother? <laughs> and my trainer says, his name's Jeff Gripper, by the way, world champion kickboxer. He goes, Bruce is really strong, but uh, can't put on weight. He goes, you got to lift heavier. Yeah. So I said, put on, put on some plates. 315 pounds. Wham. Bench huh? press. I go, let me see you do that. What? And he goes, I can't do that. Yeah. And I go, you outweigh me by a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're a lot bigger than me. He goes, wow, you're pretty freaking strong. He goes, well, it's a really simple answer. You got to do steroids. And he walks away. I said, I'm not doing steroids. Wow. Good grief, dude. 315 on the bench. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think early. I was squatting that. <laughs> and then another guy came up. He said, hey, our state record for your weight, 180, is um, I think it was – 365 or something like that. He goes, I can get you there if you want the state record. I'm like, no, man. I just wanted to do the movie. Yeah, that's what I do. That is incredible, Bruce. Okay, final question. Yes, sir. Who plays Bruce Locke in a movie of your life? Oh, man. Uh, nobody, because it's not that interesting. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, um, I'll, really. I'll play it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Um, Nobody's we, making a life, um, life story of Bruce Locke. Oh, you know, I don't know it, about that. Hey, <laughs> the favorite scene in a movie playing Bruce Locke would be walking into an all-black strength training room, <laughs> and he turns and says, you called me the N-word? What? Yeah. Oh, no, Preston, I got to tell you, though, this, this gym, <laughs> Lee Haney's gym was right out of Rocky. It had the leaky pipes, oh. and all the guys were, were just ripped. And everyone was African-American and they were like serious and they were, and my trainer, we were, you know, we had become good friends by then. 
I swear I was gonna I was gonna take him out right there. I was like, you and he just grabbed me, he goes, I got you, didn't I? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, oh man. Cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, but but uh, the hindsight is I'll bet they had respect when you were pumping 315. Yeah. Like they went, oh, look at this guy. <laughs> I actually had to do it again. I actually had to do it again because they called the whole gym over. Wow. I believe it, man. I'd be okay. fifteen. Yeah. So wait, wait, okay, real quickly. I know we're almost done. What what could you do when you were uh at your peak playing for the Rams? As far as weight? Yeah. Lift the weights. Oh my brother, I got a wonderful story for you. And it's short lived. Oh, a Preston okay. I never lifted a weight in high school. I never lifted a weight in college. I never lifted a weight in the pros until my last year in the league when Forrest Gregg at Green Bay said, okay, anybody that misses a workout training, 500 bucks. I started lifting and I realized, <laughs> damn, I could probably play five more years if I'd have started lifting. Oh my! Uh, that was my last year in the league. So there's your story. Wow. <laughs> what a tidbit, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm as for my- now. <laughs> and as for mine, Bruce, uh, I'm not going to share that. Let's move along. So, okay. <laughs> my friend. Uh, All right. So, folks, what a absolute kick in the wonderful. pants interview. Wonderful. This has been so much fun for those listening and watching. Bruce, where can somebody find you now? I know you're on Twitter at Bruce Lock Actor and on Instagram. I'm not very at- active. Uh, yeah. I do have an Instagram account. You can find me there. Um, okay. I'm I'm actually thinking about shying away from social media more because it just seems yeah. I hear you. not what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I figure, you know what, at this age, I'm working, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's interesting because somebody in the spotlight probably needs to keep something out there and you're going, yeah. That's what they tell me, but it's like, I don't, I don't know if you do. There's so yeah. few guys really my age uh, that are Asian that have a resume or, you know, if they want, if they want to see me, they'll see me. I love it. I love your yeah. whole mentality. This has been an absolute pleasure, and we have taken Thanks, more guys. time than we promised you. Uh, Bruce, there will be a part two. Preston, we'll see to that. And uh, and then and we're going to put together that coffee uh, meeting for the yeah. three of us we'll here. Trade, we'll trade info after this. Mm-hmm. You got it. Absolutely. So, folks, thanks for joining us on Gridiron Icon with the iconic Bruce Locke. You can see him kicking people's butts in RoboCop 3, Mortal Kombat, The Man on the Castle, so many places. And, of course, to my better half and my partner in crime, the great Preston Denard. Follow us, watch us on YouTube, and we will see you next week. 